First, I must give some backstory. When I was younger, I worked for my lake community during the summer season for as long as I remember. The jobs ranged from dishwasher, maintenance worker, and boat tender. My last job and the longest one was beach security. The lake had a small beach with a building that had a game room, a deck overlooking the beach, a restaurant, a small motel, and a lobby for guests of the hotel and restaurant. I was assigned to check in guests of the beach and make sure they were members in good standing who paid their community dues, and also to enforce the rules beset on the whole area. I would get a lot of flack from this job from Karens, crusty teens, and other idiots who were up for the summer. It came with all the drama that you would see on a CW teen drama show. The story took place during the summer and fall of 2011. I graduated college and I promised myself that this would be the last year that I would work for the community. I was tired of the drama and ready to find a real job. To bank more money this year, I also took the position of doing night duty as beach security. For this, I would monitor the property for three more hours after the game room and restaurant closes at 11, and I would make sure that no one was trespassing on the property. I would mostly walk the property and then stay in the lobby area, watch TV, and play on my Nintendo DS until my shift was over. 98% of the time, it would come and go. But sometimes, I would see the occasional deer, raccoon, fox, and black bear walk the deck. I would also have to ask people to leave and or call the community security for assistance. I should mention, I am an unarmed security guard, and I don't own anything for self-defense at this time of the story. One night in July, I was watching adults swim on the TV with a sliding glass door behind me that led to the deck. The show I was watching goes to commercial break, and the screen goes black. When that happens, I see on the reflection of the TV screen someone standing on the deck looking into the door and looking at me. I immediately jolted up and turned to the figure and just stared at him. The guy was about 5'8", wearing a dirty black hoodie with a white Adidas logo on it, navy blue basketball shorts, and white sneakers. With his hood up, I couldn't make out his face, but I can tell that he was a white male with bright red dyed hair that was underneath his hood, and he seemed a bit younger than me at the time. He was just standing there swaying slightly, and he had his hands in his pockets. He was staring at me, but also, it was like he was looking through me. It took me a second to collect myself, and then I walked to the glass door and slid it open. Hello, sir. I'm sorry, but the beach and deck are closed for the night. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave the property and come back when we open up in the morning. Then he says, When is that? He was very monotone, and he seemed tired but jittery. That'd be eight o'clock in the morning? Okay. Can I come in and use the bathroom? 
At this point, I felt something much more off about this guy. I've dealt with drunks and people being super high, but this guy seemed to be on something else, and I didn't want any part of it. I am sorry, but no one's allowed to be here unless they're a guest of the hotel or restaurant, which are both closed for the night. Now, please, sir, can you please leave the beach? He seemed to get a bit annoyed by that, but his body language barely changed. Fine. I guess I'll have to find somewhere else to go. He then walks off. I made it a point to follow him off the deck and watch him walk away to make sure he left. Instead of heading up the road, he veered off into the woods. He was out of my sight, but I could hear him dragging his feet through the brush and sticks. After that, I walked back into the lobby and locked the door behind me, and called the dispatch and reported the incident, and asked to keep an eye out for the guy. 2am came, and I locked everything up. I armed the security system and left. I started to drive out of the beach area, and as I started to turn left, a balloon full of this red liquid stuff flew from the woods and slammed against my passenger window. I got startled and floored it out of there. I wasn't going to get out to see what happened there, and I only lived five minutes from the beach. I got home and checked out the damage. My passenger door was covered in red paintball paint. The impact was enough to dent my door. I called it in and asked them to keep their eyes out and check the area for the guy. The next day, I was told they didn't see anybody there, but got reports of the same thing happening to other residents' cars or houses. I was pissed, but also unnerved that happened to me in the first place. Time had passed, and it was fall. The beach closed for the season, but they still needed a night guard to make sure no one vandalized the property. It was the week of Halloween, and it was also my last night. I'd got a job working at a much better job, and this was the last of my two-week notice. I also went to the Halloween party during the day, and went all out as Jason Voorhees with a machete from Walmart as well. I was wrapping up for the night, and I was just sitting outside of my car, talking my friend's ear off on my cell phone. As I was talking, I could hear some leaves rustling, and twigs snapping in the woods behind the dumpster. I told my friend that I had to go, and I hung up. This was my dumb white person in a horror movie moment. I walked slightly closer to where the noise was coming. It was dark, but slightly lit from the parking lot's lights. As I was looking from behind the dumpster, out comes the same guy that I saw back in July. His hood was down, and I could see his hair was longer with his natural brown hair roots being longer than the red dye that was left. He began to fast walk up to me, growling, and his face was plastered with rage. He had a black iron pipe in his right hand, and he was swinging it a bit while he came at me. He covered a lot of ground quickly. I ran to my car and I opened my back passenger door that I was facing. I grabbed the machete that I bought for the party, and I raised it over my head and stood my ground. I don't remember what I said to him, 
I was filled with so much adrenaline, but I know that I cursed a lot. He seemed to stop, and he stood there for a bit. After I yelled and shook the machete a bit more, he simply turned around and went back into the woods from where he came. As soon as he cleared the dumpster, I got the hell out of there. I was going way too fast for the windy roads that my community had. I called not only security, but the police as well. By the time they got there, he was nowhere to be seen again. Four years later, I moved away from my community and haven't heard anything new about the man or anything related to the incident. I now carry a knife with me, and I still have the same machete in my car, just in case. I have a bit of an odd story about one time that I used Tinder and ended up getting catfished. It's kind of embarrassing in the end, and I'm glad nothing else happened when the events took place, but it's still one of those stories that shows you that you should be careful with who you swipe to match with. When this happened, I was 24, and like a lot of single dudes, I was pretty much swiping right on any girl that I thought was even remotely cute. I'd only been single for about two or three months, but the ex and I had a really rough breakup. She accused me of cheating on her, and just completely lost her mind over something that literally never happened. What's worse is that the relationship with her was a nearly three-year relationship. Everything was perfectly normal at the beginning. There was little to no tension between us. She seemed to genuinely enjoy being with me, and then a few months before the end, she started pretty much just losing her mind. I have my theories as to why, but I also don't want to further slander her, so I'll just let that go. Anyways, like I said, I was newly single, out of a several-year-long relationship with someone that I thought was the one, and I was pretty desperate to find anyone that could possibly fill that void in my life. And I was going to swipe right until that happened. Cue the obvious. Tons of scammers. Tons of people asking for money, looking for sugar daddies and all that. There were a few ladies that I chatted with for a bit that seemed like they were interesting, but nothing really ever came of it. Then... I came across a profile of someone with the name Natalia, and her profile looked like a goldmine to me. Reading through what it said, and even without my desperate demeanor, I was thinking that she would absolutely be perfect girlfriend material. She was incredibly attractive with red hair, which is kind of a thing with me. She was a year younger than me. She said that she liked to party and live life to the fullest, but then also had an entire section talking about how much she loved Star Wars. Full disclosure, I am a Star Wars nerd. And that was actually something that my ex and I never connected on. I loved it, and she thought it was the dumbest thing ever. It's not anything that led to us breaking up or anything like that. It was just a point of contention between us. So, obviously... I swiped right on Natalia, immediately, and I was super hopeful that she was going to connect. 
to my surprise, almost right away, she did. I went straight to messaging her. I started with a cheesy pickup line and then mentioned to her that I was a huge Star Wars buff. She responded back, seemingly excited to talk to me. We messaged for a while that night and started talking again pretty much first thing in the morning. She mentioned that she was going to college to be in IT. I told her that I was working in IT. She mentioned that she was planning on going to a convention that was in town a month later. I was elated to hear that because I was planning to go to the same one. She told me how much she liked to play a specific video game series, one that's a bit older and not as well known anymore, and I was over the moon. It was literally my favorite series. Every single thing this girl was saying to me was cementing further and further in my mind how much I genuinely wanted to get to know her and start something more. She was perfect in pretty much every sense of the word. Then, after a few weeks of talking over text and a couple calls, she asked if I wanted to meet up for a date, and at the time, Infinity Wars was still playing in theaters. It was right around the end of it playing, so most everyone had already seen it, but I asked if she had seen it yet, and she said no. I confidently recommended that we go see it at a local theater, and she agreed, but told me that she wasn't going to be able to go to that theater. She needed me to drive about 25 minutes west to a theater that was near her house. I didn't mind. I was absolutely enamored with this girl, and a half-hour drive was nothing if it meant spending time with her. We agreed on getting together that Friday, and she told me to be there at 7.30 for a showing of the movie, and that she had already bought the tickets. The day came, and I got all prepped up for the date. It was nice having that confidence back, that drive to actually dress nicely, that push to be better than what I'd been for the last couple months. Around 6.40 or so, I got into my car and decided I would take it slow to let my nerves calm while I drove to the theater. I plugged the address into my phone and was incredibly confused at first. As soon as I put it in and loaded the directions, it had a little flag on the screen that mentioned that the theater was temporarily closed for renovations. At first I was thinking it was odd, but at the same time... I've used Google Maps before, and had it take me down roads that were now dead ends, telling me to hang a sharp right into someone's front yard. So, it being incorrect was definitely not impossible. I took the drive out to the area of the theater, and it was a nice little area. That is, until I actually got to the theater's parking lot. The building had the lights on, but there were no cars in most of the lot, the only exception being a couple of work trucks off to the side of the building, and one slightly older Cavalier that was parked near the entrance. There were obvious red flags, but at the same time, I kind of thought that maybe she didn't know they were closed, and that it was her and the Cavalier. Then I kind of also started thinking about the fact that if she was already there, and they were closed, why did she not call me to tell me? 
didn't she say she already had the tickets? The situation was definitely a bit confusing to me as I was pulling up, and then I kind of thought that maybe I was just overthinking it. Maybe it was just a mistake, and she was waiting for me to get there to change the plans. I pulled up next to the Cavalier and glanced over to see if it was her, and there was someone in the car, but it wasn't Natalia. It was my ex. And a guy that she had always told me was her cousin. I just kind of sat there in awe. She had successfully catfished me. She had posed as my perfect woman on a dating app, matched with me, and then lured me into falling for a person that... literally never existed. This actually made a lot of sense, since Natalia seemed to like everything that I liked, and be interested in everything that I was interested in. Things that my ex would have known I was interested in. I rolled down my window and she looked over with the most malicious grin on her face, and then had the gall to ask me if I was looking for someone. I asked her why she had gone through all the trouble. When she told me that her cousin, who she was now telling me was her boyfriend Paul, wanted to meet me, because she had told him so much about me, and all the things that I did to her during our time together. Now, I may not have been the perfect boyfriend, but I was not abusive or aggressive or anything like that. I may not have been super attentive, but I wasn't an a-hole or anything. I'm just sitting there watching as she laughs at me and he starts getting out of the car, and I could sense that he was there to kick my ass. I called her a few unsavory names, and told her what she could go do to herself, put my car in reverse, and started driving off. As soon as I got a few yards away, I heard a super loud bang, followed by another, and another, and then the sound of glass shattering. I pretty quickly realized that this guy was seriously unloading a handgun into my car, trying to kill me. I floored it, and I got out of the parking lot and onto the main road, freaking out and having no idea what the hell was going to happen. I pulled up into a parking lot of a busy strip mall, and I actually managed to pull in next to a police cruiser, with two cops just seemingly hanging out. I jumped out of my car, and I started rattling off what had just happened like a madman. I started yelling about how my ex and her boyfriend were literally trying to kill me, and that they shot at my car. It was pretty obvious that something had happened, considering there were bullet holes and broken glass. In the middle of me telling them about it, who else would pull up but the two people that had just tried to murder me. I started screaming at the officer that he had a gun and that he had shot at me. This kind of kick-started the cops to jumping out and telling them to get out of the vehicle. Paul was apparently not a fan of police and started telling them that he didn't have to step out, that he hadn't done anything. The cops said that I was reporting that he had a gun and that he had shot at me but Paul was arguing that nothing happened, and that it was just an argument between ex-lovers. I have never in my life been more grateful to see somebody arguing with a police officer over whether or not they needed to comply. 
because as soon as he started deflecting, the cop got suspicious and ended up pulling him from the vehicle. Long story short, to wrap this all up, they found the gun with a half-empty clip. They also found several pictures of me, they found the text conversations on Paul's phone, and they also found a tarp, some rope, and a shovel in the trunk of his Cavalier. Based on this, they had some incredibly messed up thoughts in mind on how the night was going to go, and it was all because my ex was a vindictive person. I now know that she was actually cheating on me with Paul near the end of our relationship, which is why she was so accusatory of me cheating, projecting, and all that. Also, the pictures that she sent me of Natalia were actually pictures of a girl that she followed on Instagram, one that she knew I would find attractive. They were both charged with a bunch of fancy crimes, like conspiracy to kidnap, conspiracy to commit murder, as well as attempted murder on Paul's part. Thankfully, the only thing he managed to actually hit was my car door and the windshield. And if it helps to know, I never went back to online dating. And I've kind of just decided that it was better to spend some time single instead. This was 30 years ago. I will never forget this. I was sleeping over at my friend's house. He was on his bed, and I was on the floor. His room is at the end of the hall upstairs, and right next to his bedroom door is the door to his mom's room, the master room with the bathroom. On the other side of the hall is a door to the bathroom. Down the hall, near the top of the stairs, is his sister's room, and there's nothing else upstairs. The distance from the top of the stairs to my friend's bedroom door is maybe 15 feet. Not very far. Okay, so we're lying down to go to sleep. His mom has already gone to bed with their two giant poodles. They slept in her bed every night. His sister is out of state at college, and there's no one else in the house parents are divorced. So we're finally getting quiet and not talking, and it's quiet when I hear someone walk up the stairs, then walk down the hall to the area right in front of our door, his mom's door and the bathroom door, and then nothing else. I thought it was just an old house thing because this was an old Victorian with hardwood floors throughout. No biggie. I was kind of getting sleepy, and then I heard it again. Same exact thing. So, now I'm like, what the hell? And I'm laying there on my side, my head tilted to watch the door and listening. I'm wide awake. It happens again. Then, a few minutes later, again. I'm like, what the actual hell? I'm kind of freaking out, and I turn my head to look at my friend in his bed, who I thought was asleep, and he's looking at the door, too. He then looks at me with that WTF look. We both quietly get up and stand up closer to the door. It happens again. We're just staring at each other. We wait, hold our breaths, basically. A couple minutes later, it happens again, 
and we both reach for the door as the steps come to the area right outside his door, and he swings the door open. Nothing. There's nothing there at all, the house is just quiet. We step out and look into his mom's room as she has the door open. Both dogs and the mom are passed out asleep in her bed. In fact, one of the dogs lifted his head, looked at us, then laid his head back down. We walk over to his sister's room, and no, she's not there. The bed is made and no one's there. We kind of stand there for a minute and whisper things to each other like, What the hell? That was steps, right? Footsteps, yes? The house is still quiet, so we go back to his room and sit there chatting for a while, just kind of freaked out. Then we settle in and go to sleep because it's getting late. As soon as we get quiet and start to settle, footsteps again. This time my buddy leaps out of bed, grabs the doorknob and flings open the door. Nothing. But this time we were loud, so his mom wakes up like, what was that noise and what's going on? We just told her nothing and to go back to sleep. And then we go back to his room. We sit there and just kind of talk to each other about what we're feeling and what happened. Talking quietly, and it keeps happening. Every few minutes, we stop talking and listen until it stops, and then go back to whispering. It got to the point where we were laughing or giggling quietly, because it was ridiculous. I mean, it was shoes on footsteps. Like dress shoes or boots, loud in the wood creaking along with the steps as they came down the hall. I spent many nights in that house, in that room, and this did not happen every time, but it did happen often. So often that we got used to it and just slept. Same house, at some point hanging out in the backyard with my buddy and a couple of friends drinking wine coolers or some stuff. His mom wasn't home, sister was at school, and we were out on the deck in the middle of the day, maybe 3pm. I glanced up at the second story window as I'm taking a swig of my wine cooler, and I see a woman in his mom's bedroom. I did a double take and she wasn't there. I look at my bro and he's looking at me. I was like, did you see that? He says, yeah, I saw something move. I looked up and then saw nothing. Maybe a woman? So we literally jumped up and ran in and ran upstairs and searched. Nothing. No one. Same house. My bro's mom was down in the basement. We were upstairs in the kitchen. She was getting food out of the freezer down there to cook for dinner for us. She's only gone a couple of minutes, and we hear her scream. We ran down there, and she was on the floor in front of the freezer, looking around and clearly scared. She sees us, and she says, Who else is here? We looked at each other and her, and we're like, No one. It's just us, and you screamed. She was feeling out of it. We all go to the kitchen, and after she settles down and is making dinner, she tells us that she was kind of bent over, looking in the lower part of the fridge for something, and she clearly felt two hands on her back push her into the fridge. And, same house again, as a kid, my bro was being chased by his sister through the house, around the dining room table, and he tripped and fell headfirst through a big mirror, 
on a big credenza type thing. His head is through the thing completely. The mirror is broken, clean above his neck, the studs below shattered, and the part above is just hanging there, in the wood like it should, I guess. But it's a big mirror, as tall or taller than an adult. His mom is freaking out. She pulls him out, and the second his head comes out, that giant piece of mirror slides down, just like a guillotine, and it shatters. Like a split second from decapitating him. As a kid, or more so a young teenager, I could tell that I was different from my sisters. I was never interested in boys and dating until I got older and learned why that was. I am a lesbian, but with my parents being super religious, I never told them or talked to them about it. I didn't even tell them until recently, like within the last few years. Two of my sisters are really awesome and supportive of me, while the other one is actually worse than my parents. We never really got along that well anyways, so I just don't talk to her. Anyways, I bring this up because this is why I ended up meeting and dating people online. I did this as a teenager in chat rooms and sites dedicated to the LGBTQ communities, but... As I got older, I started using more adult-oriented apps, since I could take care of myself, go to public places, just things like that. I had a few successes, but they didn't go anywhere after a while. I did get a few good friendships out of it, and really started to learn what I liked in a partner, and what traits were a hard pass. So... While flipping through the app one day on my lunch break, I came across this girl named Stephanie. First, I thought she was stunning. She had long, straight, dark brunette hair, bright green eyes, and an honestly breathtaking smile. From her pictures, she seemed very outgoing and active. There were lots of pictures of her at beaches, one of her that looked like she was hiking up a mountain, there was even one of her skydiving, something I've always wanted to do. I thought she looked great, and now can the personality match? So I messaged her, and lucky me, she responded. We started talking a bit about ourselves, and what we liked to do for fun, and even some of our pet peeves. We seemed to have a lot in common, too. We both had similar interests and hobbies, I mentioned the skydiving picture, and she told me she was going through training to be an instructor herself, or whatever they call it, so she said she would love to take me out to do it. We then started talking about coming out, when we knew, how we told our friends, our families, how they reacted, just things like that. At that point, I felt like I had a friend that I knew all my life, but they understood everything. She explained that her parents had pretty much disowned her when she came out, but felt much better about it afterwards because she knew who she could trust and rely on, and that she's been happier since. I told her about my family situation, and she made me feel better about not talking to my sister. 
I had the same mentality toward her, but then felt guilty because she was family and thought I should still love her. But if she doesn't love or care about me, then why should I? After a few weeks or so of us talking, I believe it was, we wanted to meet in person. Unexpectedly, though, I had to go on a week-long business trip to train a new class in a different state. I know I looked suspicious at first, but she understood, though, based on knowing what I did for a living, and the fact that I sent her pictures of the plane and hotel room with me in them. I hoped that that at least made her feel better about it, in knowing that I was a real person. So, once I got back, we finally chose a place to go. We were going to meet up at a local restaurant that I quite enjoyed, but she had never been. Its whole theme is retro video game style. They have old arcade games there, and even some of the tables were those cool tabletop games. You had to reserve those spots, but all the other seats were open to seat yourself. So, upon date night, I got myself all dressed up, even dyed my hair and put on makeup something I didn't normally do. I was really looking forward to this. I got there, and I found an open table on the side that didn't have a lot of people around. And it was also by a window, so I figured it would be easy to spot at least. I texted Steph to let her know I was there, and where to find me, and she told me that she was almost there. I went ahead and ordered drinks and nachos, expecting they would both arrive around the same time. I went back and forth between looking for her out the window and playing a game on my phone while I waited. The food and drinks arrived, and I still sat there waiting on her, when someone else approached my table. It was a guy, and he looked so out of place. He was wearing jeans and one of those dress jackets and a tie. This place couldn't be any more casual, so he really stood out. But then, his appearance beyond that was just kind of unsettling. His skin was super pale, but his lips almost looked stained. Like he had just wiped off lipstick. It was weird. He had blonde hair, almost buzz cut like it had been growing back in these piercing greenish-gray eyes. On top of all this, he just stood there, smiling at me. Not knowing what else to do, I gave him an awkward smile back, and I said, Hi, can I help you? To which he responded, saying, Sorry, I couldn't help but wonder why such a beautiful girl was sitting all alone. I told him as I motioned towards the second drink that I wasn't, and that my date was going to be here soon. He then made the comment, It feels like you've been stood up, but I'd love to buy you another drink and keep you company. I then told him no, that my date had recently texted me saying they were on their way. They weren't late or canceling, and nor did I get that feeling from her, so... Again, I said she would be there soon and just declined his offer. That's when he said, What if I can offer the same things that Stephanie can? My first thought was, Who the hell is this guy? But then I realized what just happened. Stephanie wasn't who I thought they were at all, and I had just been catfished. 
No wonder they were so willing to wait for me, I guess. I've been hit on by guys before, because, as they like to put it, like it's some kind of compliment, I look normal, whatever the hell that means. So I said already pissed off that my time has been wasted. So you had to fake being a hot girl just to get a date, huh? That seemed to hit something in him based on how he paused for a second and looked away. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough to sway him because he slightly chuckled looking back at me. His response, though, was surprisingly not one that I had heard before. He said that his goal was to see if I was really a lesbian and to help me convert my ways. Usually, after telling a guy my preference, they just walk away without saying much more, so to have this guy really say he wants to convert me, it was pretty brave. I just laughed, hearing something similar from my sister, and told him to walk away now to save himself some time, but he wasn't ready to give up yet. His way of converting me was different, though. Oh no. He said, Oh, I guarantee, baby. After one night, I know I could change your mind. Alright, cool. So now we're back to the flirting, I guess, in a very gross way. But as I started grabbing my purse to leave, he grabbed my hand and got close to my face and said, I promise, there will be pleasure within the pain. I whipped my hand back at this point, and had a few choice words that I yelled at him, and then started walking out of the building. Unfortunately, it did not stop there. I'm already upset and crushed, so my head is all over the place as I'm unlocking my door, not paying attention to my surroundings, and I get pushed against my car and hear a familiar voice from this guy. He's now grabbing my hip and saying, I promise you won't regret it if you give me a chance. Thankfully, I was able to swing my head back hard enough and hit something solid, causing him to back up. This gave me time to unlock my door and jump in as he sat there staring at me, obviously pissed off. I started driving away, and was picking up my phone to call my friend. As I'm talking to her and listening to her gripe that I didn't call the cops on the guy right then and there, I noticed the truck behind me had their brights on and was riding really close and then backing off. I told my friend about this car, and she told me to pull onto a side road to see if I was followed. To my horror, he did follow. And of course, I was immediately worried that it was this same guy. I told my friend that I was going to call the cops, and hung up. I called them, told them I had a feeling who it was and that I feared for my safety. The operator actually guided me to a safe area, where cops were going to be, which was this little park. I pulled in, keeping them on the phone, and lo and behold, my catfish got out of the truck and started walking towards me. However, I didn't notice the cop either until I started to hear him yell that this guy needed to stop moving. It scared me and that guy. They restrained him, and then had me come out when it was safe and take a statement. I know it wasn't as bad as others have gone through, but he still assaulted me, so I definitely pressed charges. 
that was the bulk of my experience. My ego was hurt the most, thinking I really scored, but they turned out to just be a garbage human. I don't let it hold me back, though. I'm more careful about meeting new people, but I still have fun. I am a lot more open about myself, so I guess my catfish did help me there. They tried to change me, but actually only made me stronger. So, I guess, just double and triple check on people, because you can really never be too careful. To start this story, I have to tell you a little about my sister. We were born exactly a year apart. Our birthday is on November 23rd, Jen being the older one. We've always been inseparable, but we did everything together and matched like we were twins. We even joked about going on dates together with guys, and as teens, joked about having a double marriage. Things like that. We always said nothing could come between us, but people change as adults, especially when you're smitten by someone. Love truly is blinding. Jen met this guy named Eric at work, and they started dating. He seemed really cool at first. I went over to have dinner with them at her place, and he seemed very well-mannered and very sweet to my sister, so... I joked with her that I hoped I could find a guy like him. Things seemed to be going pretty well with them. They were probably together for six months or so, before we started noticing changes. Jen started becoming a little more reclusive, which it wasn't like her at all. She was a very social person and outgoing, so it was weird for her to decline parties and dinners with family or when I would invite her out for just a day together. We used to do this a few times a month, and she always seemed to have an excuse, and it actually kind of worried me. At one time she declined, saying that she wasn't feeling well, so I decided to surprise her with some homemade chili and cinnamon rolls. When I showed up, she was hesitant to open the door, but when she did, I learned her reason for hiding. Her left eye was black and blue, and her forehead and cheek looked scraped. I learned Eric was not the person that we met. It was your typical abusive relationship. He would snap, apologize, he'd be fine for a week, and the cycle would just repeat. It definitely caused tension in the family. I loved her, and I could at least understand that it wasn't an easy thing for her, so... I still tried to let her know I was there for her when others weren't. However, it was difficult at times when I was around both of them. I've always been a bit overweight, whereas my sister was always the taller and slim one. I'm very aware of it, and it's very hard to offend me about it. That didn't stop Eric from commenting, though. He hated when I was around because he always knew how I and the rest of the family felt about him. He would crack jokes about my appearance, and my sister would try to defend me, but I ended up stopping her, in fear that he would do something to her. Anyways, after multiple attacks, 
he finally hurt her enough to put her in the hospital. My dad told her that she needed to leave this guy for good, otherwise they were done with her. My mom didn't say much either. I was still there for her, but I pleaded for her to leave him. I even offered to let her stay with me, or I would stay with her just to make sure she wasn't alone. However, while feeling heartbroken, confused, and alone, my sister sat in the hospital with her thoughts, and of course he called her, pleading her to take him back, and said that he was going to go to therapy, and all that crap. When she got home, he actually proposed to her. In his cockiness, thinking he had her wrapped around her finger, she declined, as she had learned that he had been actually cheating on her. All the abuse that she took, and she of course wasn't his one and only. She finally gained the strength and put her foot down. For being such a tough guy, he didn't argue much when my dad and a cop were at my sister's place when he got there to get the last of his stuff. A few prank-slash-threatening calls later, he gave up, and my sister never heard from him again. And with that, I got my sister back. It took a while for her to be able to be herself again, but it was beautiful to watch her enjoy freedom and life again. After some time, though, she was feeling a bit lonely and said she was ready to start dating again. I'd been looking on a few apps and sites, so... I thought it could be fun to get her profile set up, and maybe we would get lucky and like each other enough to double date. We get it set up, and she's enjoying herself and even talking about hookups. Hey, as long as both parties are for it, at least they're enjoying themselves. So, I had a few matches myself, but the dates just kind of fell flat. But at one point, I did meet a guy named Corey. He seemed really cool, and had a lot of similar interests that I did. I was starting to get into streaming games, and he said that he wanted to do the same, but hadn't started anything up yet. We were talking for quite a while, and both wanted to meet, but he said he was out of the state for work. I appreciated him telling me this up front, and it kind of made me feel better about the situation as well. We scheduled a time to meet after he returned, in a week, and in the meantime we continued talking, and I told my sister about him. We did share pictures, so we at least knew what each other looked like. My sister even thought he was cute and said she approved. Once he returned, we made plans to go have drinks and see a movie. We were going to meet up at a pub that was close to the theater, so it was about 20 minutes from my place. I got there first, after getting a message from him saying he was almost there as well. Instead of going in, I decided to sit outside and wait. My bad habit was smoking, so I thought I would smoke one while I was waiting to calm my nerves as well. Don't worry, he said he was a smoker too, otherwise I wouldn't have lit up before a date. Anyways, while I was standing there, I looked up to see the people that were passing by, leaving and entering the bar. It wasn't completely dark yet, but as the cars were coming towards me with their lights on, I couldn't quite make out the faces of the people walking towards me. So, when I saw a guy cross the road and walk towards me, I stared at him a bit harder to see if I could make out if it was Corey. 
He definitely looked familiar, but not quite like Corey. I know pictures are still going to be a bit off from what you get in person, but Corey was tall and slim. He didn't have much muscle or form to him, I guess. But something told me to figure out who this person was. Thankfully, a car was driving by the opposite way, so I could actually see his face a lot clearer. It was Eric, and he looked pissed. My heart immediately dropped, not knowing what he would do in public, and I immediately dropped my cigarette and dashed inside. I ran to the back as they yelled at me that I couldn't be back there, and I tried to explain to them that I was being followed. They didn't seem to believe me, or understand at first, until Eric came in and yelled out my name. I pulled out my phone and called 911, and I tried to stay low so he didn't see me. Someone in there, I think it was just a patron, tried to get him to leave or something, as well as a bigger lady that was behind the bar, and then the place fell silent as I could hear scuffling and fighting. Thankfully, the police showed up and arrested him. The guy that was helping had a cut across his arm, because he apparently came in with a switchblade of some sort, but otherwise, everyone was okay. I noticed afterwards that I had a few missed calls from my sister. I texted her, and I gave her a brief rundown of what had happened, like, a cop showed up at the bar, we'll call soon. So she at least knew I was okay, since I wasn't responding. I gave a statement, and I told him who the guy was, and a little backstory. Apparently, one of the cops that showed up actually knew his history too, and had even received a call from my sister to do a check on me at this place. Once things started calming down, I called my sister to figure out what the hell was going on. She was freaking out, talking about how she was getting messages from Eric, threatening that he was going to kill me and kill her. My sister had a restraining order against Eric, so he instead tried to stalk her any way that he could other than physically. When he found her on a dating site, he decided to make not one, but two fake dating profiles to keep tabs on her, and to try to get me as well. He knew exactly what she liked, and due to the info she talked about, he created the profile of someone that I would like as well. He had started messaging her from his fake profile, talking crazy, calling her all kinds of names, telling her she was worthless, and said that after he takes me out, she would be next. She quickly figured out what was going on, and tried calling me, and then when she couldn't get a hold of me, she called the cops. I'm thankful that I decided to wait outside because who knows how much of an advantage he would have had if I hadn't been out there. And sadly, this damaged my sister even more as she felt like she put me in danger, even though I've told her that she could not have known. He used pictures of two different guys, and we still have no idea whose pictures he used. Nor would I ever have blamed her for it. We got off the dating sites just to be sure, though, and kind of let fate do its thing instead. This was all a few years ago, and I could thankfully say that we've had no more run-ins with him, and he actually did some jail time. Just be careful out there to everybody, 
And not everyone is fake, and not all the fake ones are life-threatening, I'm sure, but you really just never know. And maybe just meet up for coffee in a police station parking lot, just to be safe. Okay, so I've never really posted on here, but I need to write this. I genuinely want to know if anyone's ever had a similar experience to mine or not. I have been starting to have dreams. Very vivid ones. They don't happen all at once, but there's a feeling when it's connected, so sometimes these dreams would be spread out. For instance... I had multiple dreams regarding this one family that took place in the past. From what I understand, this man was enlisted in some army. He had a wife and two children, a daughter and a younger son. He heard from somewhere that the war was going to be over soon, so he went ahead and bought some land that had gone down in value due to it being close to a war zone. He ended up having a big two-story house built there, with white paint and green trim with matching shingles. It looked like the properties were acres wide, so I don't think he was worried. And it was fenced in with metal gates as well around the perimeter. In my first dream about this place, I saw myself as a child. I had this own sense of understanding... I was just a spirit roaming through. I saw a young man with blonde hair and brown eyes. He was giving his wife a tour of the house while his kids were already out exploring. He had a recliner for him, although it was implied later that she used it when he was gone, and he also had a sofa for them as well, as well as a big boxed TV, and in the kitchen he had an open area around the sink so she could see the TV too. While they were doing that, I did more exploring and I bumped into their children. The son was enjoying a flick in the movie room and the daughter was reading books in her personal library. Apparently the dad had those put in just for them, because he knew that they loved those things and he was never around enough. However, when I started to try and stare at what she was reading, she noticed me and could actually see me. She was talking with me although I honestly don't remember the conversation. But I understood she was a great kid, and very bright too, with hair and eyes just like her dad. I waved goodbye and wandered off to the rest of the house. I look into the bathroom. It had dark green paint and checkered tiles, but the lights went dim and started to flicker. When that happened, the tiles started to levitate and spread apart, while everything around me turned to black. I ended up having this extremely uneasy feeling. The intensity of this dream made me want to write it down so I didn't forget it, because in the back of my head, I felt that it was important. In my second dream, I'm now right outside the property by the gate. It's all rusted, the house's shingles were falling, and the paint was peeling. I still saw myself like how I did the first time, and when I look up to my left... I see this old man crying and screaming. He screamed, saying things like, 
You demons, give me my family back. He would get tired from the screaming, and I genuinely felt the desperation in his voice. I tried to figure out where he was looking while yelling, and I see that girl from the last dream. She was looking out the faded window and smiled. When I looked, I could feel that that wasn't her at all. I looked at the man, and when I was running out of tears, I noticed that he was able to see me. He said, I guess you saw that, huh? I remember grabbing his arm and looking at him to tell him that his family is no longer there, and then I woke up in tears. There's other times where I've dreamed of this place, but in the future... I've seen it remodeled into an orphanage that had a fire and the children escaped. However, in that dream, I saw it through the perspective of an orphan girl. Apparently, demons came out from the fire and chased the children down, but she managed to run far away from the property to where they couldn't reach her. At least, that's what the dream implied. And eventually, it became sort of an attraction although it looked like an old-timey library from the outside. I've had other things, like seeing demons in my dreams. They aren't like the edgy things you see online. They're like these humanoids with pale, bluish-gray skin, big, disproportionate heads, skinny, tall torsos, although that's just my experience. The first one I saw had very vivid eye colors, they were very bright and always changing. She had gray-silver hair, but it was all dried out. With long, sharp nails and a sense of overwhelming fear that came with it, that even sleep paralysis couldn't compare. The second one I would call more of a lost soul. I saw it on a street nearby the old church that I used to attend because of my mom. It had a similar figure, but its eyes were hollowed out, and it had rags on. And instead of fear, I got this sense of overwhelming loneliness and a feeling of being lost. I walked closer to it to try to reach out to see if they needed help, except once I tapped it, it disappeared. And the only thing left behind were the rags that it had. When I woke up, I remember hoping that it found the place that it belonged. I have more experiences, but I've already written enough on here, and I'm sorry if this seems like it's fake because of the details, but I wrote down all the details on here because I want to know if anyone has experienced anything similar. I decided to share my story here. I've always been spiritual, and all my life I've seen or heard things, but this story is about my son, mainly. When my son was age three, we moved to a new flat, and about a year after being there, I would have a feeling that my son was behind me, and he wouldn't be. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I would see what looked like my son, and go to talk to him, and he wasn't there, but was in his room playing. This happened every now and again, and I never thought too much about it. But when my son was six, I would hear him not just playing toys with himself, but asking questions and answering someone. 
One time, he was having a full-blown conversation in the bathroom whilst brushing his teeth. So I said to him, Who are you talking to? And he said, Tommy. So I asked him who Tommy was, and he said, It's my friend, Mummy. I say, Okay, so what does he look like? He answers, Just like me. So I thought, Hmm, I wonder if this is who I've been seeing on and off for a few years. So I said, Is Tommy a ghost? He looked horrified and said no. So I spoke to my mum about it, and she said, Well, he would think of a ghost being scary. Ask him if Tommy is a spirit. I thought, well, he won't know what that means, but I'll try. So, one afternoon, I said to him, Is Tommy a spirit? And his mouth dropped open and he said, How did you know that, Mommy? I didn't want to say too much as I didn't want to put ideas in his head, so I said, I'm just guessing. How do you know he is? Then he started telling me how one day, Tommy sat on his bed and said, Don't be scared, Jack, but I'm a spirit. My son looked at me and said, But mommy, I wasn't scared, as I don't know what a spirit is. So, I said, Well, you're very lucky, as not everyone can see them, as a spirit is someone who's died. And he said, Oh, well, well, Tommy's back alive again. So, not to scare him, I just left it there. That night, I was watching TV, and I heard Jack running down the hallway, and his face look around the doorframe at me. So I said, Jack, why are you up? And he vanished. I got up, and Jack was fast asleep. I then went on holiday for a week without his dad, as he was working. We went to a caravan, and my nieces were asking Jack if Tommy had come, and he said, No, he was staying behind to watch Daddy. I didn't think too much about that. We got home, and my husband was behaving strangely, causing arguments and always walking out for hours, and I kept feeling Tommy. I was speaking with my mom and said how my husband had changed, and that Tommy seemed angry. My mom said to try and connect, but I never did try. It was a Saturday morning in August, and I had my cousin's wedding to go to, and my husband was an usher. I woke early to an eerie feeling and then a noise that something had dropped. I looked out in the hallway and Jack's door sign was halfway down the hallway and standing upright. No one could have done that, as Jack had stayed at my mom's. At the wedding, I caught my husband on the phone to an unknown number. We had a huge argument, and he ended it there and then. I was heartbroken. I never felt Tommy at home again, and Jack said that he had gone. I felt so sad for Jack as he was upset about his dad leaving as well. It also came out that my husband had brought this girl back to our flat whilst I was on holiday. So, it made sense why he was watching his dad, and also why I felt Tommy was angry when I got home. I went to see a medium who told me that my son had a friend called Thomas. That sent shivers down my spine as obviously Jack said Tommy. She described what he looked like again, and I went cold, 
as she had just described my son. I asked her why he isn't around now, and her answer was, he was there to protect Jack. But all I could think was, why did he leave when he was upset then? So, when my son was 14, I had a conversation with him, and I asked if he remembered Tommy. He said yes, and he described the clothes that I used to see him in, and he said Tommy would come and sit with me when Dad was really shouting and scared me. He would make me feel safe. And then, all these years later, what that lady had said finally made sense. He didn't need to protect Jack once he left, as Jack was no longer scared of his dad's temper. After leaving my mom's house and moving from place to place with my dad for a couple of years, we eventually moved into our very own home. We'd been living with his new girlfriend, but that had broken down and we ended up sofa surfing for a while. So it felt really good to be settled into our own home. And my friends from secondary school lived close by. I had my own bedroom and things were just easier. As I was getting older and more independent at this time, I'd often be in the house alone. I'd get home from school before my dad finished work, and some evenings my dad would be out. It was when I was on my own that I realized I didn't feel like I was on my own, and that feeling of dread I knew too well had returned. Like at Mom's house... The feeling would come, and it would begin to build and build until it was unbearable. The space between our front room and dining room, at the bottom of the stairs, was where I could sense something hanging around. Whenever I passed the foot of the stairs, I would get the feeling that something was up there, waiting to pounce. I would usually rush across that space but sometimes I would walk in it and brave a quick glance upstairs. Whenever I felt uneasy, I would pretend that someone was home with me and I'd call out something like, I'll be there now, Dad, <laughs> thinking I could trick the scary something into believing that I wasn't alone. I would hear things walking or moving upstairs or just out of view in another room. That sensation that Something was lurking behind me happened regularly. I would have to leave the house and sit outside until I felt the fear subside, and I could go back in. The worst ever experience in that house was when my dad had gone out with his new girlfriend one night, and I was home with my two cats. I also had my dad's girlfriend's dog with me, a beautiful German Shepherd-type dog, I'd been watching TV downstairs most of the evening, but I began feeling uneasy in the front room. So, I went upstairs to my bedroom to distract myself with a book, or magazine, with one of my cats next to me on the bed, and the dog was sat on the floor next to my bed. That damned feeling of something lurking was still there and beginning to build. I noticed my cat looking at the window wall that had a boiler there on the wall. She just 
sat fixated on something. I then turned to the dog, and she was sat rigid and upright, nose pointing forwards, looking to the exact same spot as the cat. And my heart sank. That awful terror turned my stomach, and it gave me an instant cold sweat. Slowly I turned back to look where they were looking, to see whatever they could see, and I saw it. Coming from the area of the boiler, there were four smoky-slash-misty balls or orbs in a chain. The only way I could describe it at the time was that it moved like a wiggler, the caterpillar in Mario games. They were not joined together, but were moving together, away from the wall in midair, near where that boiler was. Now, this was not smoke. It was not something to do with the boiler. It was something else, but what? I don't know. They were a white, pale gray color, not solid nor totally see-through. They were like tennis ball-sized bubbles filled with smoke, but with no obvious edges. The smoke or mist was moving in a way that gave it the impression of a ball shape, completely unlike anything I had ever seen. So, totally horrified... I grabbed my cat, got off the bed, I called to the dog to follow me, opened the door, and we ran. We ran straight down the stairs to the front room, through the porch, and out on to the doorstep. It was late, dark, and really cold, but I was too terrified to go back in. We sat there for a couple of hours, the dog in the porch area and me on the cold concrete step, until after midnight waiting for my dad and his girlfriend to come home. They were shocked to find me sat there when they came home. They were obviously concerned about the fact that I'd been so scared inside that I chose to sit outside. However, I don't think they believed me when I told them about the Wigglers. quick point before I start. The story isn't really on the scary side that much. This is one of those stories where it felt really scary as a kid, but then as I got older, it wasn't really scary anymore and was really just confusing. Anyways, this happened when I was about eight to nine years old. I was a really easily scared and timid child. Usually, every child is at one point or another, but I was always that one kid that whenever anything remotely went down, I would cling on to anyone that I felt safe around. So, this is what made it terrifying to me at the time. This happened when I was at my auntie's cabin. I'm from Canada, and her cabin was about a 20-minute drive away from the main national park, in the southern part of the province that I live in. There are other properties in the area, but they're pretty spread out, and that coupled with the fact that this cabin is completely off the grid, it makes you feel like you're really in the woods and away from any towns or cities, if that makes sense. It was late spring, early summer, so everything was becoming green and lush. Despite my timid personality... 
I loved exploring through nature and forests. It was me and my two cousins, and they're the ones that I'm most close with outside my immediate family, and we loved exploring together whenever we got the opportunity. All of us in our families were spending the night there, and we spent all day playing on the huge property and climbing on the small rock wall near the cabin. We were having a blast, and when the sun started to settle in the evening, we were wanting to explore into the actual dense forest behind the cabin. There were two crudely made paths that went through the woods that almost surrounded the cabin. One was on the shorter side and went west. The other was a little more properly made and went east toward the rock wall that I mentioned earlier. We decided that, after dinner, we would go on the east path just for fun. Both of my cousins were two and four years older than me, and I looked up to them because they were so much more braver than I was. So, after dinner, we told our parents our plans and they said it was fine and to not go too far. We embarked on the path and began exploring. After maybe five to ten minutes, we started venturing slowly off the main path and went further into the dense forest. At this point, the sun was going down and it was at that point where there was just enough light left to see where you were, but dark enough to need a flashlight. We kept going and stopped at this giant log from a tree that had fallen over and had moss growing all over it. We thought it was cool, and stopped to check it out. I remember the exact moment that this happened. All three of us had stopped walking. We were all looking at the log and moss and talking about it. Then we all paused in unison. Nothing happened initially, but all of a sudden this noise broke the silence. It sounded like the mixture of a ton of sticks and twigs snapping and leaves crunching, like as if there was a giant footstep. It was so loud and sudden. In that moment, my heart stopped. It was too dark to really make out anything in fine detail, but I could clearly see that there was nothing in our immediate area. Nothing moved at all, and it's what made all of us look at each other in complete shock and at a loss of what to do. What scared us, really, was not seeing whatever made that sound. It didn't sound like something that nature could have just made on its own. It had to have come from an animal or a person. The sound came from a very short distance away, so it couldn't have been one of us. Regardless of whatever made that sound, we screamed loudly, and we ran back the way we came. We got back, out of breath, and decided not to mention to anyone what had happened. It scared me so badly at the time, but as I look back on it nearly ten years later, I still can't put my finger on it. My best guess was that maybe it was a harmless animal who got spooked and made the noise, but nothing ever came about it, so we've largely forgotten about it. But my god, at the time... We were scared more than we ever had been in our lives.
this incident took place about two months ago. I'm not sure if this is a true paranormal occurrence or a mechanical electrical radio wave glitch. I'll allow you to be the judge. I work for a small medical clinic in Northern California. It's not uncommon for me to reach the clinic before my other co-workers and open the clinic for my co-workers that will be arriving after me. Our clinic has instituted the use of walkie-talkies so that we can keep a tab on each other's whereabouts in case there may be a need for help with the patient or to alert staff when a patient has arrived for their appointment. Per my normal routine, I placed my bag at my desk, proceeded to turn the clinic lights on, and began checking the clinic to see if any of my other co-workers had made it in before me. After checking the back offices and making my way to the front offices, it was clear that I was the first and only person in the office. I made my way to the front office to grab my walkie-talkie for the day. I turned it on, and as usual, there was nothing but silence on the other end. Just nothing, as I expected. I made my way back to my office and desk, sat at my computer, and began going through my paperwork and schedule for the day. Suddenly, over the walkie-talkie comes a voice that I readily recognize. The voice of my front desk coworker, whom I had not seen when doing my room and office check of the facility. Over the now crackling, static, and increased volume from the previously silent walkie-talkie, I hear the recognizable voice of my coworker saying, Hello? Where are you? After which the walkie-talkie turns to silent once more. I'm startled now and thinking to myself, How the hell did I miss hearing someone come through the now-only-unlocked door in the facility? The door in which my office sits next to. I grabbed the walkie-talkie and held down the response button and said, I'm in my office. When did you get in? There was no response back. Just silence. I sat and waited for my coworker to poke her head in the office, but nothing. I shouted out, Hello? Nothing. No sound or movement or noise in the quiet office. No footsteps. No rustling or shuffling of feet. Just absolute quiet. I got up and made my way through the clinic thinking someone was trying to prank me by pulling a scare on me. And once again, after checking all the rooms, front and back offices, there was nothing or no one there. Just me. Dumbfounded, I made my way back to the office. I sat down and shortly thereafter, the second coworker arrived. The very one whose voice I had just heard over the walkie-talkie. I ran and met her at the door asking if she had a walkie-talkie on her and was using it to scare someone in the office. She proclaimed, No, they're all put up and off. Why would I do that? I stated that, You called me and asked where I was at. She looked at me puzzled and said, No, I don't have a walkie-talkie. They're all in the same place where you got yours. All turned off. I checked, and indeed they were all accounted for except for mine, and were all turned off except for the one that I had taken earlier. 
I explained that she contacted me over the walkie-talkie, and I had been going through the clinic trying to find her. She chuckled and called me crazy and walked on to her desk. I cannot explain what or how it happened, but it was her voice. I recognized it enough to search the clinic looking for her. I know walkie-talkies can pick up other frequencies and people talking on other stations, as well as CB chatter, but this voice was specific, one that I recognized. I've been working with this particular coworker for over eight years now, and I know her voice. It's sort of ingrained in my brain, but it couldn't have been her. She was never there. I'm convinced that perhaps it was something in the ether reaching out to me. The chatter over the walkie-talkie is totally recognizable and abrupt, but what came over my walkie-talkie that day that I opened the clinic was not it. It was a truly calm, recognizable voice asking where I was. This happened about six or seven years ago, on a summer night. I was at my friend's house one night, and there were three of us. We decided that we wanted to go ding-dong ditching at around 11.30 or so. The neighborhood that we lived in is very dark at night, as there are no streetlights, only torches on street corners that are there so cars don't drive off the road. My friends and I have gone ding-dong ditching a few times, so we knew that we should relieve our bladders before heading off. We were already outside at this point, so we just relieved ourselves in the bushes. One of the friends that I had already finished, so we stood towards the end of the driveway talking, while the other friend was closer to the house still. While we talked, I faced out towards the street while my friend faced me. As we talked, I saw a tall, pure black figure running up the sidewalk across the street. It took me a second to process what I was seeing, but when I did, I must have shown an expression of shock because the friend I was talking to started running for the house right as I did. I saw the thing and my friend said that he heard it running. The other friend near the house just ran inside because we did and was in denial about everything some details of this thing. It was very tall. I was probably 5'10 at the time, and I could tell that this thing was significantly taller than me, probably 6'2 at least. It ran on two legs and had the physique of a lean runner. I know I said that this neighborhood was very dark, but this thing was black, pure black, and there was no sign of it wearing clothes. If it was wearing clothes, it had to be some skin-tight outfit that was black. It was too fast for me to call it human. I refer to this thing as an it because I truly don't believe that this is human, as much as it was shaped like one. I ran track and cross-country at the time, so I could judge how fast it was running, and there was not an ounce of doubt in my mind that tells me it could possibly be a human running that fast. It was also running uphill. My friends, even the one who heard the running, didn't believe what I saw. But one night, later that same summer, 
My friend had a large gathering of boys who all went ding-dong ditching. Sadly, I wasn't present on this occurrence. The boys made it far down the neighborhood when they saw it, a dark figure running that fit my description. They were much further away than I was, so I take my description as the more accurate one. In their case, however, they saw it running back and forth across the street, running out of view, and then back into view, then out again. We went out on other occasions, but we never saw this thing again. Do let me know if you have other questions or would like me to talk to my friends about their observation, and thank you for reading. I figured I would share some of my personal experiences. I wouldn't say these are the most exciting stories out there, but I hope that someone enjoys reading them. For as long as I can remember, there have been weird things happening around my house, but nothing nearly as malicious as this, aside from one other time. I have two others that involve this occurrence, so I'll tell you about those, almost like a mini-series, if you find them interesting, of course. This particular story happened quite a few years ago, when I was in middle school. My brother used to have a drum set in his room upstairs for years. It wasn't abnormal to hear my brother playing them from down the block at times, because they're so loud, and the sound would travel around my neighborhood. I had just gotten off the bus and was walking home from school, all the while hearing my brother practicing. I had my earphones in and could still clearly hear him playing before I even reached the house. I went along with my usual routine, unlocked the door, walked inside, sat on the couch, listened to music, and relaxed. After about 15 to 20 minutes, I finally got a text from my dad asking what me and my brother wanted for dinner. My dad worked late, so it was normal for us to be home alone for hours. I took my headphones out and walked upstairs, once again the whole time clearly hearing the drums as loud as ever. I opened the door, and immediately they stopped playing. I didn't think anything of it because the drum set faced the doorway, so whoever sat there could see me open it and walk in. I was looking down at my phone, and I began to speak, but as I looked up, I realized that nobody was there. I walked further into his room to check to see if maybe he left the TV on, or maybe even his radio that he kept next to the bed. Neither of them were on. So I decided to walk all the way to the back of the room where the drums were. I was standing behind them and checked to see if the drumsticks were still tucked away in their pouch, and as soon as I saw that they were, I felt this intense feeling of dread. I was in total flight mode, it felt like something wanted to hurt me, and there I was on the furthest end of the room against a wall. The best way to describe that is like a looming dark was cast over my head. I ran out as fast as I could, across the room, down the stairs, and back onto the couch. I obviously realized that I was home alone, completely confused and scared. I've only felt that sense of utter dread a few times in my life. 
I didn't tell anyone about what had happened for months. I was so scared that nobody would believe me until the next time something odd happened with the drums, and I wasn't the only one to witness it. Let me know what you think, or if you've ever had something similar happen. Of all the times I've used Tinder, I get the usual. People messing around, obviously fake or botted accounts, scam accounts that steal your credit cards, or even genuine people. I matched with this one girl, let's call her Allison, real name hidden for privacy reasons. Allison appeared normal, and I thought that we'd hit it off. That was until she told me that if we wanted to meet, I would have to pay for her services. She would get increasingly manipulative and pushy when I asked questions or refused, saying that I couldn't be trusted like everybody else. What the heck? I thought to myself. And then she ghosted me. That was until tonight whenever she added me back. I thought maybe it was a bad time, but... She appeared to have forgotten me, and as we talked, I started asking questions, and she kept dodging them. I asked her what she did for her service, and she said she was a masseuse. So I asked what company she worked for, and she said she worked individually for a manager. The last question I asked was where is the service located, and that's when I realized that she was a prostitute. She mentioned her address could be a meetup at either a hotel or at my house, if I paid for the transaction. That's when I knew it was too good to be true. I explained I couldn't do it because, one, I'm a broke university student, and two, where I live, it's illegal to buy a prostitute. I explained to her that I didn't want to get in trouble with the law, and she stated that I had insulted her at this point, and I realized that she only wanted me so that she could get any money that I had. I told her, I'm not insulting you, and if that's the case, then I'm just going to go, before blocking her. Sorry if this feels short, but I just can't believe a girl I met used Tinder to be a prostitute. So yeah, to the Tinder girl that wanted me to buy her as a prostitute, and her manager, who's pimping her, and let's not meet. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. Thank you so very much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed these scary stories. If you want to support the channel further, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel. Just search As the Raven Dreams on YouTube and subscribing. You can also join the channel or go to the, my Patreon for early access to all of my content. All of it's appreciated and never expected. But if it happens, thank you. All that said, friends, I will see you on the next episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. But of course, until then, sleep well. <laughs>